0: and sign up today. So at that point, you didn't have a job, right?
1: No job, no friends, no family. I did have a home, so I wasn't out on the streets. And absolutely no idea of what to do.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki Klosser, and you're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Today's guest is Kitty McNeil, and I have to say that her drive and tenacity just blows me away. Kitty started her photography business at 62 years old, and she knew nothing about being a photographer at the time. So this was a couple years ago, and now she has an extremely profitable business that she really just designed to work with her lifestyle. So Kitty shares with us all about the marketing strategies she uses to get clients and how she completely had to get out of her comfort zone in order to do these things. And that's something I really love about her. She doesn't let fear get in the way. She just goes for it. I hope everyone out there listening who might feel like their age is a negative thing will be really inspired by Kitty and realize that your age can actually be your superpower. And this is something that she proves during her interview. So thank you so much for listening, and please, please enjoy this episode with the very lovely Kitty McMeal. Kitty, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Nikki. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, this is probably the first time I'll ever do this, but I want to start by talking about your age. And I know that's weird, but there's something about being 62 and starting your business over that I just think is so cool. And I think a lot of people out there who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s kind of feel that maybe age can be a limitation. I know in our Facebook group, our Sue Education Facebook group, this question comes up a lot about, am I too old? You know, I'm in my 60s, can I do this? And I'm always like, Kitty McMill, she's your girl. Like, you have to talk to her. So that's why one of the reasons, one of many reasons why I'm so excited to have you on today. But before we get into the whole age part, I'm wondering if you can... Give us just like a background of what your life was like prior to getting into photography and then what brought you in your 60s to starting a business.
1: Okay, sure. Well, I guess I'd have to start back when my husband uh, had an accident. At the time, I was an engineering psychologist. I used to design things to make them easier for people to use. And I had a fairly successful consulting business doing that. And then uh, one October evening, my husband sustained a spinal cord injury and everything changed after that. I couldn't really Mm, continue to do my business because I was providing care for him and any new requests I had to sort of give off to other people. So it just uh, was a full-time job taking care of him. And that went on, oh geez, for seven years.
0: Wow. Okay. So at that
1: point, I mean, it
0: sounds like obviously if you can't do your business for seven years, it sounds like you, maybe you had to shut things down. I
1: did. And uh, when, when I was able to uh, return to the workforce, technology had advanced to the point where I would have had to spend some significant time to bring myself up to speed. I'd have to make all those reconnections with clients. And I, I honestly did not want to put the effort. I didn't have the desire to do that anymore. And I also needed something that was a little less demanding. So I ended up accepting a position working for a friend of mine managing a horse and avocado ranch.
0: (laughs) Wow. Now that's quite a change. That sounds so cool.
1: Yeah. I had never done anything like that before, but I rode horses with her. So I was familiar with a lot of the day to day activities that needed to happen just in caring for my own horse. And so I did that for quite some time and it worked well. It gave me the ability to be at home and away for my sanity.
0: So that was a pretty big change. I mean, obviously going from psychological engineer, did I say that right? Uh, Engineering psychologist. Yes, engineering psychologist (laughs) to managing an avocado horse farm. How was that? And how long did you end up doing that for?
1: Yeah, well, it was a transition. But since I was familiar, I rode horses and uh, I knew what I needed to do for my horse. So it was a fairly easy transition. And I was working for a friend. So, you know, they gave me a lot of leeway. They knew my circumstance and everything. Uh, It lasted for quite some time. I had worked for them a little bit prior to my husband's accident, also just helping out kind of on a once in a while basis with bookkeeping and things like that. Uh, so overall, I worked for them for eight years. It ended very abruptly. And I don't want to go into details about that, but it it just was not a great situation. And it came to a halt on a single day, right before Christmas, actually, of 2013. So then I, I was really at a loss because I had relocated back to where I had lived before at this point my husband and I had now separated and I was living in the community where we had originally resided but I really didn't have any friends my best friend was my family and she was not available to me anymore and I felt pretty darn lost
0: i bet um, yeah so at that point no you didn't have a job right
1: at that point no no job no friends no family i did have a home So I wasn't out on the streets and absolutely no idea of what to do. I remember I would get on the computer and look for jobs and because I had served as also personal assistant, I thought, well, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll, you know, we're in Hollywood or, you know, LA area. Lots of people have personal assistants. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, But then I came up with the idea of starting a nail art salon. Now, I never was a manicurist. (laughs) But I love uh, Japanese (laughs) nail art. And my friend and I used to drive into Melrose to have it done for ourselves. And I knew a lot of people who did that from our area. And I thought, hey, find a need and fill it. I'm going to open up Japanese nail art salon.
0: Wow, that's so interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I then proceeded to educate myself to do just that. And it was quite a learning curve because honestly, I knew nothing about it. I'd never really had a business. And so I had to learn all about that. I had to learn about the manicuring in general, the rules, the licensing and all that stuff and find someone to do the work. And it's a very specialized art. So that Mm -hmm. wasn't easy either. Mm -hmm. But I started that journey in January of 2014, and by March or April, I had everything in place. I was buying supplies. I was trying to get a space in the most upscale retail area Around here, that's actually a place owned by Rick Caruso, but I couldn't talk him into letting me in there because he wanted primarily national brand well known oh, places. Right. So I thought, well, heck, I'm going to rent a small space and do a proof of concept. I know this will work out here. And because it was an expensive manicure, like the minimum was $120. So I knew that space was important. I couldn't have him coming in a back alley to <laughs> pay that much for a manicure. <laughs> right. So I leased out a small studio in a suite of studios that was primarily hair, esthetician, some jewelry store, makeup, you know, small little boutique businesses. And that's where I started my nail art salon. And it opened in August of 2014. But I want to tell you that my heart was never really into that. Although I thought it was a good idea to begin with, it didn't really resonate with me. So I started looking around for something else. And that's how I found Sue. I don't remember exactly what I Googled, but I Googled something like, uh, I have no idea what I want to do for the rest of my life. Give me a clue. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. And and I found her. She convinced me, not in person, but, but uh, watching her online, that I could be a photographer. I, I just believed it, honestly, right off the bat. I'm not sure why, but I did. Did you know anything about photography at that point? No, no, nothing. no. Well, you know, I had point and shoots and right. like everybody else, but I didn't know an F-stop from a stop sign, I <laughs> used to say. I knew nothing technical about um, a camera. I knew nothing about posing, lighting, all the things, business. I knew nothing.
0: So wait, let, let's back up a second. So you kind of went... Full in, and you're like, I'm starting a nail salon. I'm getting this going, but you weren't doing the nail work, nail artwork yourself. You had someone else doing that, correct? Correct, correct. But the the rest of it, the whole business
1: part of it, you like jumped head in. Yeah, that's the part yeah. I was doing. I was booking all the appointments. Um, you know, I did all the purchasing, um, dealing with the leasing the space, mm-hmm. anything related to admin. I was doing. She did all artistic. Okay, but then, of it. like
0: you said. Your heart wasn't in it. You weren't loving it. You were just kind of like, eh, this isn't great. That's when you decided I'm going to try and find
1: something yeah, else that's, and came across you. That's correct. And then by coincidence, uh, the nail artist flaked out. Uh, it was right before Christmas. This is now Christmas 2014. This was a year after I had left the ranch position. And she left with a full book of appointments because the business actually was working. we had full booking clients. There was no problem with that. It was a popular thing. My heart wasn't in it. And then here I am stuck. I have all of these clients that were expecting to get their holiday nails done. I have Mm -hmm. a lease that is going until the next July, maybe even August.
0: Yeah. And you don't want to mess with people like in their nails.
1: (laughs) Oh, I I know. Can you imagine a week before uh, (laughs) Christmas, I'm calling you to say, I'm so sorry. Your holiday nails you had planned this Uh, amazing nail art for is not going to happen.
0: Yeah, that must have been hard to all of a sudden just have her leave. But then it's like, it's funny how, well, I'm assuming her leaving is what pushed you forward. Yeah, it's like coincidence is God's
1: way of remaining anonymous. Uh, It just...
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing how you kind of get what you ask for. Your heart wasn't in
1: it. You were already starting yes. to look for other things. And then she quits. It's just so yes, funny how that works it is. out. So after she left and I made calls to all the clients and said... Oh, well, I'm so sorry about your nail appointment, but I'd like to offer you a complimentary photography session.
0: (laughs) So I went so
1: smart, Kitty. I love it. I went right into it, boy. And I had to uh, redesign the space, although the space was quite small. It was only 81 square feet. So basically nine by nine, I had done everything geared toward a nail salon. So I had to remove all of that and make it into a space.
0: Wait a minute. You decided you were going to use this current space that you had for the nail salon correct? I ha- and switch that over into a photography studio. And you still didn't know much about photography. Correct.
1: I, I didn't even have a camera at that point. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, but Talk about jumping in. I had to. I, I really didn't have a choice because I had that lease. It was almost $3,000 a month. And I had to. Yeah. So I booked my first client the second week in January. Okay. So I just want to talk about this a little bit
0: because so many people have what I think there's a a phrase for analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So that means like having to research and get everything perfect before you start and having to have all of your ducks in a row. And it leads people to never actually take the step to start a business or to do what they love. And I love that you were like, you know what? Screw it. I am going for it. (laughs) Even though I don't know exactly what I'm doing. It's like you weren't thinking about the how and letting that freak you out. You were just like, I know I'm going to do this
1: and I'm going to start taking steps towards it. Well, cool. Yeah, that's absolutely right. First of all, it's never going to be perfect. No matter how much time you take and how much you think you have your ducks in a row, the first day you're gonna find something you didn't think of. I mean, there there were so many aspects and all I did was problem solve as I went along. As when something would come up, I would mm-hmm. figure out how to deal with that. And believe me, there were so many things. I had no idea what I was getting into. I just honestly really believed Sue when she said she could make me a photographer, it was as though she was looking at me in my eyes and saying, Kitty I promise you, I'll make you a photographer and here are the steps you need to do.
0: And you know what? And you are an amazing photographer. Your work oh, is you. so beautiful. So, you know, whatever, whether it was Sue coaching you that made it happen or whatever it has happened here, you have done it. And it's amazing. I have
1: to tell you that recently I was mentoring somebody and we were talking about just that, about how they admire my work and all that. And I must have just been an amazing creative artist and had a talent hidden. And I said, oh, wait a minute. Let me show you this. (laughs) I brought my neighbors over into my garage while the studio was being turned into a studio instead of a nail art salon and photographed them in my garage. And they're pretty bad. (laughs) pretty bad doesn't even describe it. And yet, I still sold to that first client I booked 2 weeks later. Now she only bought 3 images. Uh, I mean, the fact that you sold
0: to your very first person that you Wait, you said you did a couple shoots in your garage, but then the first person you booked in the new studio, yes, you sold to.
1: Yes. That's incredible. And I've never heard of anyone doing that. Nikki, I didn't even have a price <laughs> list. I didn't have a folio. I didn't have anything to show. I mean, no way. Uh, yeah, I somehow glossed past all those details <laughs> as I was <laughs> learning to open a photography business. But I just started building those things as I went along. You know, not that everybody can do that, although I think honestly, stupidity and naivete were working in my favor in that regard Mm -hmm. because I Mm -hmm. didn't know what Mm -hmm. I didn't know.
0: So, okay. So you said you turned the old nail salon into a, a studio and you, and you had told your old nail clients that you were offering them a voucher, you said, for a photo shoot, right? Yes. And tell me about that. Is that how you were getting your clients or where were these people coming from? that you were able to sell to and that you were able to book, like (laughs) even before having a price list and a portfolio and everything.
1: Okay. So I I call it ABS. It's my patent. Always be selling. So no matter where (laughs) I'd go, no matter who I would meet, I'd find a way to bring up that I'm a photographer and I have a studio and I'd love to photograph them. The very first client was a woman that I was in a dance class with at the gym that I went to. And I got people from there. It didn't matter. I've shot people. I've been sitting next to them at a bar in a restaurant waiting for a table. And two days later, they were in my studio. I, I feel like I, I made a leap into getting regular clientele when I hooked up with a woman who was hosting Cookie Lee parties. She was a go-getter. Cookie Lee is a jewelry, you know, multi-level marketing kind of thing. She was very innovative in how she would run her parties. And one of the things she did was offer raffles. So the way I met her is my neighbor said, hey, want to go to a Cookie Lee party? Well, I thought, "Okay, I can go and I can talk to people about my photography. So, yes, I'll go. And when I got there, I started talking to her and she's had this raffle. I said, would you like to raffle off a couple of portrait sessions? So the ironic thing is the one client that I talked to that evening that expressed an interest in being photographed and didn't balk at the price or anything, won the darn raffle.
0: Oh, figures, right? (laughs) Because she probably would have booked you anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And let me digress for a minute because I want to talk to you about what happened with that person. Because it took me a year to shoot her after she won that raffle. She kept putting off scheduling. And so finally, and it just so happened, I went with my neighbor again, who had told me about those Cookie Lee parties to begin with, to a charity event at a local country club. And I got seated next to the woman who had won the raffle. So that was an odd coincidence. So I booked her. And then she said, oh, my God, I can't do it that time because my mother is coming in from the Philippines and I'll be busy. I said, oh, bring your mother. We'll do a generation shoot. So smart. And sure enough, so smart. She came in. Her mother, herself, and her daughter, that was... I want to say that was close to the end of my first year, and they spent ten thousand dollars with me. That was my biggest sale, my first really big sale. Ten thousand. Yeah. yeah, they bought everything. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's unbelievable. I mean, it is believable because you did it. That's just that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it, it was really that's exciting. Amazing.
0: So when you say you know for the raffle when you gave away a portrait shoot and when you offered vouchers to people, what was included in that? What would they get, and how did that work?
1: Okay, well, to explain that, I think I need to explain to kind of how my journey went after opening that first month. So at that time, I didn't have a hair and makeup artist. I was actually making appointments with hair and makeup artists who also had studios in the same salon suites. Oh, nice! And it was kind of a pain in the neck because my client would come, I would walk her into her hair appointment, then I would walk her into her makeup appointment, and then I'd walk her back to the studio and we'd have our shoot. I also partnered with the jewelry store that was in there and I would have the person working in the jewelry store come and style the jewelry with the clothes that my client had bought and everybody really enjoyed that. So that part of it worked great, but the coordination of all of those things became too much. So what I ended up doing was finding a single hair and makeup artist and booking her one day a week, every week. So she would come and I would pay her irrespective if someone had shown up to be photographed. Now,
0: So you're like, I'm hoping to get someone in there because if you're paying her and not getting paid, that's a motivation right there.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And I did it as a a sort of an accountability measure for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would get people in three ways. Either they would be an actual client that paid for the session, which included hair and makeup at that time, or they would just pay for hair and makeup or it would be completely on me. And most of the time, I was able to at least get them to pay for hair and makeup, but sometimes not. But I always had a sale. I've never once, knock on some wood somewhere, I've never once had a no sale. That's
0: pretty remarkable.
1: Uh, I've had low sales. I've had low sales, just one image, for example. But I've never had a no sale. So I was always able to at least cover the cost of my hair and makeup artists. But remember, my rent was almost $3,000 a month. So that was a big nut to crack.
0: Yeah. And and what were you charging at that point? You know, what is a low sale to
1: you? You know, what is one image or did you have packages or was it just a la carte? What did that look like? Originally, I was charging that first sale in January was 135 per image and she bought three. Shortly thereafter, I bumped it up to 145 and then 175 for a single image. And then I had a six image package for 870 and then a 12 image package and a 15 image package. I think my top level package was about the price of what my smallest package is now.
0: So you came right out the gate with industry standard pricing. Yes. Uh, I, I didn't Good for you. I didn't really know
1: about shoot and burn pricing. Right. Well,
0: yeah. I guess if you didn't know anything about photography or anything yeah. about the business whatsoever, I mean, how would you know? I guess if you found Sue first thing, lucky you, because she's like, No, you need yeah. you know, work smarter, not harder. And she gives us a pricing model and a business model that I know it's worked for me. It's worked for thousands of
1: other photographers. So to find that initially, that's that's pretty like Lucky. I didn't even know what that term meant, shoot and burn. And then I remember the first time I saw S-O-O-C, had no idea what that was either.
0: (laughs) And what does that mean for people out there who might not know? Straight out of (laughs)
1: camera. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So from there, you did the Cookie Lee party. You did, you know, you photographed the woman that spent $10,000. And this was like, what, a year into your business, you said?
1: Yes. And that woman opened the floodgates to my studio for every one of her friends because as soon as they saw her oh, have beautiful images nice. then everybody wanted to do it it's so and she belongs to a group called i fly it's a group of women who have been friends for a long time i've now photographed every one of them and a couple of them more than once
0: that's incredible that okay that is something for my business personally that has changed I mean, just revolutionize my business is finding an evangelist, someone who will just shout from the rooftops about you to all of their friends, to all of their family. And they don't even have to be the wealthiest. You know, it's just the one who talks, you know, the one who just loves to tell her friends, about an amazing experience and if you can find one two three evangelists for your business even if that means shooting them for free I mean initially what she won a a gift voucher right so it's like even I know some of the people for me who have been my biggest evangelists. we sometimes we've done a trade sometimes I've photographed them for free and gave them the photos for free right with with the idea in my mind that this person is going to talk about me I just know it and you know what nine times out of ten they do and and from that one shoot I end up with like 10, 12, sometimes 20 referrals. I mean, you just, you never know what direction
1: it could go in. Yeah. I'm never bothered by doing something for free. Although I need to pay my bills like everybody else, it is really not the money that drives me in my day-to-day interactions with people and how I run my business. I think I may have told you about this in the past, how I got hooked up with shooting for this magazine, actually before I became a photographer, because she needed somebody to help her shoot these events. And I've never been paid for that job, and I'm still doing it six years later. But the great thing about that job is I go to these events. They're all philanthropic events. Everybody who's anybody in this community who gives to charitable causes attends these various events. And part of my job is to take their picture and ask them for their name. And so I've used that. And I started from the very beginning. If I wanted to photograph somebody, I'd say, oh, and I have a portrait studio down the street. I'd really love to photograph you. Can I get your email and send you some information? I make myself do it two or three people every event that I cover. Now, it took me more than a year to get any anything out of that where people were actually coming to me. But now I'm known. People know who I am in those circles. And, and I don't have to work very hard to get those people in anymore. But it's taken time. That is so fantastic.
0: And and it's such a good example that it's not just going to one networking meeting or one charitable event or one, you know, women's show or something. And then all of a sudden people are knocking on your door like crazy. It takes consistency and it takes persistence. And it's almost like a numbers game. Like if I can get myself in front of X amount of people, then I might get X amount of bookings. And I don't I mean, obviously, there's not like a perfect science to it or anything. But the more people you can get in front
1: of and you present yourself to, the more likely you are to book someone. Exactly. And I go back to them time and time again. Like I shot an older couple on Monday and I've been working on her for five years to get them Mm. into my studio Mm -hmm. and finally they came.
0: Isn't that funny? That that's how it was like with
1: my personal branding stuff. When I would go to these women's
0: networking groups, at first they were I, I would say how much when someone asked how much I charge, I would say and they'd be like for headshots, like what? Like that's so expensive. I would never pay that. And then two one two sometimes three years later they're knocking on my door saying like all right fine I'm finally ready because they had an experience with you know kind of a cheapy headshot that it just they didn't love the experience and they saw all their friends photos and so like you said even a couple years later people come back so you never know if you don't get yourself out there people are not going to knock on your door. I mean, it's just it's not going to happen. So it's just such an important step to get yourself out there. And I love that you do that. And and I'm wondering for you, if it's always really comfortable, or do you ever feel nervous about it? You know what? I mean, does being in your 60s give you this like amazing confidence? You know, what is uh, it? I,
1: I'm, I'm really struggling to not laugh here, because it is totally not my comfort zone. Really? I do not feel comfortable doing it. I'm told that you can't tell that. Like I had lunch with Ashley Taylor one day and we went out to have lunch and I struck up a conversation with uh, the person sitting next to me and it doesn't feel comfortable to me, but I make myself do it. And she was laughing because she says, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> well I think it, it's it great. isn't comfortable.
0: I love talking to you. I think it's awesome. And I think you have a great personality. So it's good to hear that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be comfortable putting yourself out there. You just have to do it.
1: And the more you do it, the less awkward it feels. I can't say it ever feels completely natural to me, but it doesn't feel awkward like it used to in the beginning. Right. And, right. you know, I have those voices just like everybody else does that say, "How you know, oh, my God, I can't believe you're actually telling someone you're a photographer. <laughs>
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I want to make sure I have the timeline right. So you would open the nail salon, but you closed the nail salon at the end of 2014. And then January of 2015 is when you decided it was time to go for it, right? Correct. So it's been about five years. This is the beginning of my
1: sixth year. Yeah.
0: Sixth year. Okay. So in terms of money, if you don't mind my asking, when you were doing the photography business, was this just something that was fun for you just to pay the lease? I mean, Were you needing this income, I guess, is my question?
1: Well, absolutely. That $3,000 a month lease was a big thing hanging over my head. Now, did I have any income? Yes. As soon as I left the job at the ranch, I filed for Social Security because I knew I would need some income. You know, that's taking it quite early. And when you run the numbers, there's a point at which you're cutting your own throat if you started early because you'd never catch up with what you might have gotten if you waited to draw on Social Security. But they have a program where if you can change your mind in the first year, you have to pay them everything back, but you can basically set the clock back to zero and then start drawing at a later date. So I had that. And as I mentioned, I had a master's degree in engineering psychology. I had a consulting business for 18 years and I made very good money. I put as much as I could away for retirement and I socked some away in savings. Now, when my husband was injured, a lot of that went away. Mm -hmm. But I still had a little bit of a nest egg that if things were to go really south, I could get by for a few months without being out on the streets. But that $3,000 a month, that's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. That's a huge amount for a studio, for sure. Huge. And then uh, I think I forgot to mention this, that after uh, about six months of trying to coordinate either a booking a hair and makeup artist in the salon suites or hiring my own and then finding a place for her to do the hair and makeup in, in those suites, which means I had to rent an empty room there for that day. That was all pain in the neck to coordinate. So then I decided, oh, I'm going to add another room. So that doubled my monthly lease from 2800 to 5400 Oh my gosh. That's wow. A- Yes. Like that's a huge expense. A lot of money. A huge expense and quite an incentive to get out there and make sure you get people in to shoot. Yeah, absolutely. For me, that was definitely a motivating factor. That caused me to do so well in my business in the first two years, because to make any money over that, I really had to hustle. Mm -hmm. And I, I did, I, I sometimes was shooting three and four times a week. I did, and I don't outsource anything. I do all my own retouching. I do everything myself, all my own marketing, all my own sales, everything. So I was exhausted. You don't outsource anything? Nothing? no. I don't outsource anything. Wow. And how often do you shoot? Well, uh, now, the last two years have been different because I really backed off because I burned myself out so much. I moved my studio location for one reason, to reduce overhead. Yeah. So I went from 5400 a month to 700 a month.
0: What? Like, yep. that's, I mean... That's
1: remarkable. And I should have done it a year earlier. Mm
0: -hmm. I just, I just downsized mine as well, Kitty. I was like, you know what? I don't need this huge space. I just don't. I have two studios. I'm only at the one studio once a month in Seattle. I'm like, you know what? I'm just not even going to do this. And I'm saving myself 700 bucks a a month now. And it's amazing.
1: Yeah. I want to have my cost of goods and cost of doing business as low as Mm -hmm. it possibly can Mm -hmm. be. I want to shoot once a week or less and make a decent living to supplement my social security. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but for me, I'm at that time in my life where I, I don't want to work to build a big business. I could easily make twice what I'm making now. And I'm making very close to a hundred thousand a year now for the past two years. And I could have up that if I'd wanted to, but I burnt myself out working so hard in the first two years that I just kind of slacked really. And last year I was not feeling well most of the year. And even with that, I still made a decent living for the year. So I like taking it a little more easy. I don't want to hire associates. I don't really want to work hard enough to hire somebody to sell for me. I just want to have a balance in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're working so hard, when is there time to live? Exactly. You know, so. Exactly. And, and I've said this before, I've lived longer than I have yet to live. And the rest of my life, I want to be the best of my life. Oh,
0: I love that, Kitty. I love that. The, I want the rest Thanks. of my life to be the best of my life. That's so beautiful. And it, it, I couldn't agree more. That's amazing. Tell me what you're charging now. Uh, you know, what do your packages look like? And, and I also am wondering moving studios, I'm assuming if you're only paying 700 instead of 58 or 5,400, that it's a kind of a less prestigious location. Has that affected your business at all? No, 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 it's, it's actually better. (laughs) So listen to
1: this. See, the deal was where I was before, it was a hair salon model of revenue stream. So If you're familiar with that, and I think most of us as women are, that if I'm a hairstylist and I need a place to do (laughs) hairstyling, I rent a chair somewhere and that's 300 bucks to 400 bucks a week. So this is the same concept, except you have a little studio. So that's what they wanted to rent everything out to hairdressers who were accustomed to spending that kind of money on a weekly basis. But it didn't work for my photography model. It just didn't. Right, right. And so um, so I moved to a building that's the oldest retail commercial center in the area that in which I live. And it's on a lake. My studio overlooks the lake, has a view of the lake, and it's fabulous. Oh my- Oh my gosh. And it's about a hundred square feet bigger than both of the rooms I had before combined. That sounds like an incredible change. And in what city do you live in, Kitty? What city I'm, is your studio in anyway? I'm in Westlake Village, California. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So one of the reasons my rent is significantly lower is that I partnered with my hair and makeup artist. Now about A year and a half into my business, I met this woman. I actually found her online on Facebook. She was posting on a woman's page that I was trying to court to get in the studio. And I thought, hey... I'm going to hire her hair and makeup artist. And that'd be a good way to say, oh, well, if you come in, Dana will do your hair and makeup. I love
0: how you think, Kitty. I just love
1: it. So great. Thanks. Thanks. And so uh, she is like a daughter to me now. So when we moved into this new studio, let me backtrack one second, because when I got that second room at the old place and I started working with her, I let her use it free. So I was still paying all of the expenses for both rooms. I was paying her to do hair and makeup and I allowed her to build her business, which is basically an event and a uh, wedding business for hair and makeup artists out of that studio for nothing. So. Wow. <laughs> I'm so curious. Why were you letting her do that for free? You know, what, what made you do um, that? Well, that's a good question. And I hesitate because to be honest, I don't really know. I knew she was struggling to try and make her way in the world. She was 28 years old and a sweetheart of a girl. We kind of connected on a level that was more like mother and daughter. She had an estrangement with her mom. I never had a daughter. I mean, it just kind of felt like the right thing to do. And it's it's really paid me back in so many ways, uh, not expecting it, but it, it has. When we moved to this studio, we have a great arrangement. Uh, she has now a very successful business. She has 12 to 18 artists working for her. Oh my God. That's yes. a lot. We, we have wow. a shared calendar. And whenever I book something, I just put in if I need hair and makeup and she assigns somebody or does it herself. So I never have to struggle to find anybody. There's just always somebody there. It's been honestly a really great experience. I love her to death. She also did the same thing for her partner who was starting a uh, microblading business. So she let her do that out of our studio and I, I did too. I'd never asked for any compensation for it. And that got her business started in microblading. And now she's got a, she rented a big space and she has seven tattoo artists working for her and you know. So. That's incredible.
0: I love it. And and to have a team, a strong team like that is so important. It's so important for us and our own well being, and just working with people that we trust and care about. And then our clients feel that too, knowing that the people that you have on your team are gonna treat your clients with love and respect and make them feel cared for. its There's such a theme there, making people just, you know, the people that you have with you along for the ride are also gonna be the ones interacting with your clients. So you have to make sure you really love them. Exactly. So it's so cool. And
1: often they spend more actual conversational time with my clients than I do. I mean, I'm in there, I'm setting up, I'm shooting video and interacting with them in the conversation, but oftentimes they develop a really close relationship just to begin with, but that's attached to me too. So even though I wasn't actually physically participating in that, they still part of their experience and attach that feeling that they have from her to me as well
0: yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, we kind of grazed over. i I'd asked you a couple questions at once. I want to go back to your pricing.
1: so what what does your pricing look like now? What are you charging? Do you have packages? That sort of thing? Okay, so I just raised my prices after three years <laughs> in January. So I'll tell you what I'm charging now. For a uh, headshot and personal branding, I'm charged seven fifty. And they get three high-res digital images with that. And hair and makeup is not included. So they pay an additional 150 for that. That is more than what I pay for it. But I use it as a cost of uh, business for me booking Absolutely. it. So I get some of that as well. Um, for my portrait sitting, I really changed that this time because it's been 375 for a long time and I put it up to 550 but I'm offering a print credit which I've never done before I just want to get a little more upfront. it's not that I'm not selling because I am but I don't know I wanted to have a little more comfort level so I'm not exactly sure we'll see how it works so that does include a hair and makeup for one person
0: yeah. I'm curious to see how that'll go for you. I've been toying with the idea of raising my session fee myself. I I w- I started at 190, then I jumped to 249, and then like 2 years ago I made the huge leap to 269. Oh. <laughs> and it doesn't even cover it costs it covers hair and makeup, but it doesn't even cover the cost of my retouching. So, I've been toying around with that idea as well. I got to just
1: Bite the bullet and just do yeah, it. Yeah, I feel well, mine has been 375. And that's been and that including hair and makeup still, but at least it's a little bit coming to me. I used to get very resentful when I first started. Like that one story I told you about that she brought her mother in and we did generations and I had the $10,000 sale. Mm-hmm. I had to pay my hair and makeup artist $450 out of my pocket that day even though it resulted in a $10,000 sale, I didn't know that at the time. So Mm -hmm. I was just starting to feel really resentful that everybody was making money except me.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah,
1: And my time is valuable. It is. It is. Yeah. So now I don't even put an a la carte price on my pricing that I send out. And I actually don't send out pricing anymore. I keep it online and they only get a link to it. So if I have to make any updates to it, everybody has the same pricing. I never have to worry about things being out there that are different pricing than what my current pricing is. But yeah, I'm, smart. I'm charging four seventy five for a single image if they want it, and and re- this is for
0: like a like a kind of makeover glamour style, mother daughter or that sort of thing.
1: You know, I I really don't do glamour. Really, I just do portraits. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. really have a studio wardrobe. So they, they come over, we do their hair and makeup, and then I photograph them in whatever they bring, whatever they brought to the studio. Um, I, I coach them what to bring, but I very seldom have uh, anybody come that needs to borrow something from me. I actually have gone home and gotten stuff out of my own closet on occasion when it's been really bad. But um, the reason
0: it work, I love it. Yeah.
1: The reason I charge 475 is because I want to discourage anybody from buying one, two or three images. I wanted to make it my starter package, which is 10 images is 2250. And it doesn't take very long at 475 to reach that starter package.
0: Okay, so you do the package only now. What's your average sale? Uh, my average sale now is about twenty six hundred. Twenty six hundred. That's amazing, Kitty. Mm-hmm. That's
1: such a yeah, great, it's, great average sale. It's great. Yeah, fantastic. I feel so grateful. When I first started that first year, I did pretty well though. My average sale then was fifteen hundred.
0: Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's amazing too.
1: Yeah, I, I I sometimes look back at all that and say, oh my god, I really did that. <laughs> Yeah, and since yeah. since I'm doing mo- about half and half printed reveals and virtual reveals, my starting package is twenty two fifty, and that's for ten matted prints. And I don't even give high res files anymore. I usually give web sized files. And I change that from time to time. Some people I give full resolution to and, and honestly, I do that kind of by the seat of my pants. But the reason I charge 475 per image is because it doesn't take long for them to get up to 10 images. And I really want to sell my small packages. I don't want to sell onesies and twosies. I want to uh, sell that small package. It's my highest profit margin. I do not use a graphy box for that, um, Package. I use a box that I get from Global Imaging, which costs $22. So
0: explain to people what what a box is and what the, you know, you said you do a photo
1: reveal. What is the reveal? Tell us about that. Okay. So after I photograph my client, I invite them back to the studio or online to see with me their finished product. I retouch everything most of the time before they see it. There's few exceptions to that, but we can talk about that later. So that's what we call the reveal. If it's in person, oftentimes it actually is a printed reveal in that I show up with a number of usually at least 20, sometimes more images that I have printed and matted in a a 11 by 14 with a 7 by 10 opening mat or 8 by 10 and 5 by 7 opening. And I have them look at it one by one. I present it to them. In a box, and they open the box and go through it. Now, if they buy twenty, they get that box that they opened. If they buy ten, they get a lesser box. It's a nice little box. It's not as nice as the one they originally see.
0: Okay, yeah. So you you do very similarly to what I do when I'm doing portraits. It's the same sort of photo reveal with. Uh, a portfolio
1: box, and and do you ever do your photo viewings digitally? Uh, yes, and I I was going to mention that for all of my headshot clients and about half of my portrait clients, I don't do prints. I instead meet with them in the studio or online, and I still do in person sale. I don't never do an online gallery. I will meet with them online; they'll connect via Zoom which is the application that I choose to use. I can share my screen with them and they get to go through their pictures then and they make their selections. I invoice them and then I deliver the files to them digitally.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. I do that as well. And and I, I think it's it's nice to have that option where people can, you don't have to make another trip out to the studio and, and sometimes people want to, but especially with personal branding, when people are busy, they have their own business, you're doing it during the week, during their working hours. It's so nice to have that option of of
1: doing a digital sort of reveal. Yeah, I I agree. And there's a learning curve to that too, and there's some wild cards that you can't control for. For example, you don't know what their monitor is that they're looking on. That's true. So that can sometimes be a little bit of a detriment. And I've done some amazing configurations of that where like I've got somebody in Idaho and somebody in Northern California and me all at the same time. And the person in Idaho doesn't have a computer. They only have a cell phone and, (laughs) or or I've done, I've done reveals with half of the people in the studio and the other half connected via Mm -hmm. Skype. I accommodate my client no matter what they need. That's why I think the most important thing about moving forward in this business is you just have to think outside the box and hashtag find a way. Yeah.
0: I love that. Finding a way out. Absolutely. Finding a way is so important. And you know, when it comes to in-person selling or IPS. It seems like so many people are just intimidated by it. Like it's so daunting. And I remember feeling that way, like, oh, man, like, I don't know if I want to do this in-person thing. But I'll tell you what, once you get the hang of it, it's it's not that hard. Like, I think we make it so scary and it doesn't need to be. And I'll tell you what, my sales have increased hugely. I mean, I've been doing in-person sales for six years now, but my sales went up like crazy. And, and when we say in-person, that can also mean on Skype or Zoom or whatever. But like you said, it's not just sending an online gallery and saying, see you later. Let me know what you choose. Yeah, It's, you know, it's another way of having that point of contact with your client and connecting with them and being able to answer questions and just everything that comes along with talking with the person as they're going through their photos. It
1: just I know for me it's changed my business for sure. Yeah, I I it's not one of my favorite parts of this process, but I, I I do feel that it's a really important part of it. And when it's a good one, you know, when you have that time when the person looks at that box and they're going through it and they're loving every single image and they're going, yeah, "Oh yeah. my god, I can't believe this. I have to buy every single one." And um the other Thing I like about doing the printed reveal as opposed to the virtual one is that I have everything there; it's ready to go. If I want to throw in a couple extra images that are already printed, it's already there. I can do that, and then I'm done with that client. I don't I don't Mm -hmm. see them again Mm -hmm. until they come and book with me again. I like that part instead of having to go back again and again with a client. Which I've had to do sometimes, even multiple reveals with people. But the in-person, in-studio printed reveal still for me has a lot of value. It does. It does. Yeah, yeah. And but you but you have to have everything retouched pretty perfectly, and before you print it and ready to go, and that's a lot of work.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is. It can be a lot of work for sure. For sure. Although I find when when I do a printed reveal, I don't get the requests as often to fix things like with the digital reveal. I, I tend to get more questions like, oh, can you add more volume to my yep. hair? Or can you, you know, make my arms a little thinner or whatever? I feel like with the printed ones, I just don't get those requests. I don't know if it's seeing it in print. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Yeah, I,
1: I agree for sure.
0: Yeah, I know. Another thing I was thinking about when you said it's not really your favorite thing. I totally agree. It's not my favorite part, but but once I feel like once you get comfortable and and I know I've learned so much about how to do that from Sue and some of the videos on her education site, she she walks you exactly through how to do it. And one of the things she says is like, stop talking. That's the hardest, you know, just (laughs) yeah. Yeah. yeah, And and sometimes when it's really quiet and I'm just like sweating bullets, like, oh, my gosh, they're not saying anything. Do they hate them? Do they love them? What are they what's going on? And I'll like leave the room to try and give them some privacy. And I'm like, oh, God, are they going to you know, what do they hate them? And then finally, you know, they'll share with me that they love them and they're just trying to figure out, you know, how much they really want to spend. And if they, you know, need 20 or 10 photos and I'm like, okay, good, we're good, we're good. But um, yeah, it's it's. It's a process, but it's, it, again, in the end, it's all about providing that service for your client and making the money, making more money.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I have the same experience too online when I'm doing a reveal because, you know, I have, I'm showing, I first show them the Animoto video that I made and then- mm, Same, I use Animoto yeah, too, I love, I it. love Animoto. <laughs> I love it too. Uh, I, I've often said there's only two subscriptions I'll never cancel, well, actually three. Uh, Sue Bryce Education, Animoto, And of course, uh, Adobe, because I have no choice.
0: Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm going to I'm going to agree with that. And if you don't know what Animoto is out there listening, it's a slideshow type program. And I make a slideshow for every client that I have, whether it's personal branding, headshots, you know, mother, daughter whatever. And if you set it to really beautiful music, then it brings them in emotionally and really it's just it's just a
1: way to view their photos in, in a, such a powerful manner. I agree. And I think that it takes them kind of back to the emotion of the day of the shoot. And, um, mm-hmm. and I always, the one thing that I deliver on every time, and even though it doesn't always feel like it on my side, but I know that my clients have the best day they enjoy themselves immensely most of them have never been through anything like what i offer and well most of them i like i have some people say well when's the last time you had your portrait taken well it was at the dmv you know they they don't have, they <laughs> right. don't have any experience with it at all so and and you know i enjoy people and i enjoy being around them and you know we talk we laugh we share secrets we cry sometimes uh, it, it's it's a, it's always a great day. We have a good time. And yeah. I document all, as much as I can. And again, I don't have anybody helping me. I have my GoPro set up in one corner and sometimes I'll have my second camera set up on a tripod and I let that run. And then I'm shooting video with mine. So, cause I like to include a lot of video and I use it as a selling technique too, because I, I say, okay, here's these portraits, like this c- couple that I had on Monday, she's 78 and he's 84 these are going to be things that are passed down to their kids, their kids' kids, and their kids' kids' Mm -hmm. kids. And they'll also have this movie of the day that those portraits were created. And so there may be now, you know, there's lots of other um, uh, home movies. and so much easier than when I was a kid, for sure, to have home movies. But I think it's really special to have something like that and then to actually see the day they made it.
0: It is. It's so amazing. And you bring up a great point because yes, when we say like, oh, it's so great to make these big sales and that sort of thing. But in the end, we really are creating something that people are going to have forever. Like you said, it's going to be passed down from generation to generation. And as a matter of fact, I got an email a couple days ago from a woman who said, you photographed my mom. This was maybe six months ago that I photographed her mom. You photographed my mom. She just suddenly passed away where can I get the photos that you took of her? They're the only ones in her life she's ever loved and we need them for the funeral. And I was like, oh man, like it just, it felt so horrible for her family. And I thought at least they have these photos of her that they know that she loved. And
1: yeah, it's really powerful. Well, I know most of my family is gone. So all I have left are photos of them. And, you know, that's mostly what I have on my walls in the house are pictures of my mom and my dad. And, um, you know, it means a lot to me. And I get what it means to people, especially in my age group. I I've sort of shifted from photographing everybody to, uh, and I still do photograph everybody, but I really enjoy photographing people older than 60. Now I don't enjoy mm-hmm. retouching them so much, <laughs> but I do enjoy the experience of being with them and kind of having that camaraderie of being at the same point in our lives. I've, yeah, turned, it, I I've turned what many would think of as a disability or a liability into my superpower.
0: I love that. Let's talk a little bit more about that, Kitty, because I know, you know, circling back to how what I said at the beginning of of this episode is so many people think that being in their 50s, 60s, 70s is is a limitation. So
1: what would you say to people out there who are feeling like, you know what, I'm too old? Yeah. So that limitation is only in their minds. Um, Mm -hmm. And and there are real, um, real difficulties that come along with being seasoned but seasoned, I love it. But they're not in your head. I mean, I have the same brain. I'd like to think so anyway. That I had 30 years ago, I still can deduce and deduct. You know, I I can do everything with my brain that I used to be able to do. And so for me, it's always been a challenge to me to learn something new. So that part was easy. And I've always been a little bit of a rebel too. I mean, I ran away from home the first time when I was 13, and. And really yeah. left home for good when I was fifteen. So I've never, wow. never let you know reason or <laughs> or what anybody else say <laughs> right. uh, stop me from doing something that I felt like I needed to do. And the thing is, if not now, when? And what's the worst thing that can happen? Exactly. What's the worst thing that can happen? Somebody will say no. You know uh, exactly. I uh, I feel like. The, the best thing I ever did for myself was to begin this journey of photography. And it, it's shooting off into other areas now, too, which I'm equally excited about. But, you know, I never used to tell my age. Sue outed me on uh, my first studio <laughs> tour. And from then on, I just said, well, you know, it's on, you know, it's in the Internet now. It's, uh, I can't lie about it. Uh, I would kind of evade it. And, you know, I'm just, I'm going to be 69 this year. It, it's almost impossible for me to believe that. Oh, you are yes. going
0: to be 69. Yes. Oh my gosh, Kitty, I didn't even know yes. that. You do not look 69 whatsoever. <laughs> Thank,
1: you. Thank you. Well, without the eyelashes and a little makeup, you would probably not say that. But um, I earned every wrinkle on my face and every saggy piece of cellulite on my, excuse my derriere. And I... I uh, <laughs> I I want to grow old gracefully, and but I want to be as vibrant and alive for the rest of my life that I can be, and I think the only way to do that is by putting one foot in front of the other and marching towards something that I want to do. I I mentor quite a few people that are my age, and some of them, some of them are doing great, and some of them never, still never seem to be able to quite take that leap. I don't think they believe in themselves, and. The thing is, they're only thoughts. You can choose other. I just choose to believe in myself. And, you know, I could always go back to not believing in myself. So why not believe in yourself and see how that works out? Right. I love it. I
0: love it, Kitty. You have such a great attitude. And yeah, uh, yeah you make me really ex- excited to be in my 60s and 70s because <laughs> I know I love, I love being, I'm in my 40s now. I love it. And there's just something about living life and and just looking forward to the next step. And it's just, it's so cool. And I hope that people out there who are listening, who maybe are wondering if it's something that they could do and worried about their age. I I do. I hope that they can take the jump
1: just hearing you and how you did it. I I just, I hope so. Well, I hope I'm around to see you in your 60s and 70s. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Me too. And I got to say, for me, the 60s, have been the best decade of my life. And I'm planning for the 70s to even be better.
0: Yes. Awesome, Kitty, I love it. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next segment of the show, which is I ask everyone the same four questions in each episode. Okay. So the first question is, what is something you can't live without when you're shooting? Well,
1: that's changed. Certainly my camera. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I really have gotten into my strobes and i use them now more than i shoot natural light i'm still i'm getting more confident with them i don't always get what i want but i'm starting to experiment a lot more and i'm really loving that and also they'd have to tie me up and gag me to get my v flats out of my <laughs> studio i i love those more than anything i used foam core when i first started but honestly i replaced it and I have to go through uh, hoops to get Mm V-flats. I don't have a way to transport them and all that, but I love them. I love love them them
0: as well. I couldn't live without them either. That might be one of my top answers too. Okay, number two, how do you spend your time when you aren't photographing?
1: I'd like to say that I travel the world and having fun and drinking champagne, but most of the time (laughs) that I spend when when I'm not actually shooting, I'm retouching. I, d- I spend an awful lot of time on that. I do retouching for myself. I do retouching for some outside from my some of my colleagues. And then I've really gotten into doing creative shoots for myself for just for learning and also for submitting like to the Portrait Masters Awards and Accreditation awesome. Program. Awesome. So I, I spend it. a lot of time looking at videos and learning new techniques and practicing them and starting over and practicing them again. <laughs> Uh, I really love that. And I just love learning. I think it's good for my brain. That's
0: wonderful that you're
1: so involved in the photography world. Very cool. Okay, so number three, what is your favorite inspirational quote? Okay, well, I have many, but the one that always comes up and was the first thing that comes to my mind as you asked that is one by Paul J. Meyer. And I saw it for the first time on the wall in Sue's Mm. studio, the first studio that she had. And that was whatever you vividly imagine ardently desire, sincerely believe, and the most important part, enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. Mm, I love that. And it's so true. I I do too. And then the other, the other one, if I could just squeeze it in that I really like, I said a little bit earlier, but coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Last question. What would you say to people who are just getting started? Stop trying to get everything, all your ducks in a row. Just do it. Just take a step forward and problem solve as you go along. Hey, you can always quit. Yeah. You know, this is an old cliche quote. If you don't step up and take a a hit at the ball, you're never going to, you know, you're never going to strike out or hit a home run. So (laughs) you, you, you have to take the steps to go forward. And Really, in the final analysis, becoming anything in life is coming up with a plan and executing that plan, making adjustments to it as you move along the way. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Kitty. And where can people find you if they want to
1: check out your work or just... um get in touch with you, where can they find you? Well on Instagram, Kitty McMeal Photography, on Facebook also Kitty McMeal Photography. And then my website is kitty And my name is spelled K-I-T-T-I. Yeah. <laughs> and my last name is M-C M Like Mary E-E-L. Awesome. I remember when I first met you and I was like, my
0: mom's name is Kitty. <laughs> Although, <laughs> Yeah, there
1: are not very many of us. <laughs> no,
0: no. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today and just sharing your story. We appreciate your honesty and letting everyone know how you've become so successful is really going to be valuable to
1: a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, it was my pleasure. And thanks a lot for uh, this is really fun for me.
0: Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, I'm sure we will talk soon. And I know I'll see you soon in the Facebook group and at the Portrait Masters. Looking forward to always seeing you, Kitty. Me
1: too, Nikki. Sounds great.
0: (laughs) All right. Talk soon.